Well, good morning, everyone. So we've been in this uh, the sermon series and looking at the, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, and it's been um, really cool to kind of see just the, the depth of God's word in, in the gospel of Luke. And so today um, we continue on that. And have you guys ever been chosen for something? I mean, like at work or maybe on a team, maybe somebody chose you and you, you, got, you were part of this special team or you were, you were, you were part of um, this special group. Um, well, in 2003, I was chosen for something. Um, I was working at a communication school for the Marine Corps. I was in a nice, cushy job, and they needed more um, special forces guys for the Marine Corps. And so they were looking through people's records, and they approached me, and they said, um, we, we want you. We want you to be on, on this team. We want you to be part of this elite unit. And when they told me that, um, it, was, it was an honor. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, me, really? And then it was also overwhelming. Because I, as I entered into this, as I, as I thought about it, I realized that everything was going to change. And I was going into harm's way. And, and there was this reality that set in. And, and uh, as, I, as I entered into this, I was um, given access to um, new information, new intelligence. I was given uh, new training, training that no one had ever had, at least outside of the regular Marine Corps. And um, I was given equipment that the regular Marine Corps didn't have. I was given a different mission. And the rules had changed. It was totally different than just being in the regular Marine Corps. And for us, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are citizens of the kingdom of God, sent out to bless those on our front line. The rules we play by are not the rules that the world plays by. Everything's changed. We are called to God, by God, chosen by God, called to walk a different way. He's given us um, the, the knowledge. We know the mysteries of God in Christ. We've been given this new mission to advance the kingdom of God by blessing those on our front line. But this word blessing often gets confused. We get this idea of blessing, but the blessing that he calls us to is not the blessing we think, not the blessing we've been told, not the blessing that's been modeled for us or that we see in our current culture. And there's this false, soft, but all too common gospel that we often are exposed to, especially here in the West, especially here in America, that sounds a lot like the gospel of Jesus Christ. They use the same words, but they mean something totally different. This gospel is, is empty. It's detached from the redemptive framework of the Bible. Instead of um, seeing the Bible and, and comparing it to other scripture and saying, this is what God meant, it's, we pluck any sort of Bible passage and we just assign any meaning to it and we say, that's what it meant. This, this type of, of false Christianity um, diminishes sin. Sin is really not a big deal. It's just kind of looked over. And so it diminishes what Christ did on the cross. And instead of uh, biblical precepts and community, this, this, this type of gospel often um, offers this, this prescribed therapeutic technique. And they really never address real problems. It's usually middle class problems that are addressed. Things that are, eh, kind of all right. And this word blessing is totally divorced from the triune God. And so we need to have an understanding of what this means. What does it mean to bless? What does it mean to advance the, the kingdom of God? And so the title of today's message is Frontline Blessing. 
We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, and Eric read that for you. So I just want to give you a little bit of context. So God chooses the, the chooses Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, not because they're the greatest, but just because of his sovereign choice. He chooses Israel, and they're part of this, this covenant kingdom community. And he says, live this way. And then we fast forward years when Jesus comes on the scene, and they are not living any way that God has told them to live. Everyone's kind of just doing whatever they want. They're living out this, this, this idea of being in the kingdom totally wrong. They've broken the covenant. So Jesus chooses his 12 apostles. And he's resetting. And he now starts to focus on the identity and the character of those who belong to this new covenant kingdom community in Christ. So he's letting us, his disciples, his disciples then and, our, and, and modern day disciples, us know what it means to live in the kingdom of God. So today what I want to do is I want to unpack three ways in which the kingdom of God advances, and I want to correlate those to uh, three frontline applications that we can bless people on our front line. So uh, three ways that the, the kingdom advances and three ways that we could bless people on our front lines. So let me pray and ask God to just bless our time. Father, we come to you right now, and we entreat you by your Holy Spirit to teach us the things that we do not know. Lord, open our hearts. Holy Spirit, we know that we're only going to learn when you open our hearts. So we pray for that. I, I pray that the, 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 the enemy does not want us to hear this. So I just renounce the enemy in the name of Jesus that you would just give us the wisdom to grasp what you're trying to tell us this morning, Lord. So we love you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we see is that the kingdom of God advances through power. So oftentimes this portion of Luke is called the, the Sermon on the Plateau. Um, it's, it's, some say that it's the Sermon on the Mount, but it's, it's just Luke's uh, account of it. But there could be, this could be Jesus preaching the same thing, just at a different location. I mean, preachers often preach the same thing if they go from place to place. And so we see that as Jesus preaches this, the power of God descends upon us in the person of Christ. So he went down, in verse 17 he said, He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples were there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon. So Jesus comes down, and he comes to a level place. And we see that Jesus does this all the time. Jesus doesn't wait for us to come to, come to him. We don't have to obtain his favor. Jesus comes to us. Always. Jesus takes the first step every single time. And we can account for that. If you have a saving faith, you know that. You know where you were. And Jesus comes to us. He always says this. And that's the goodness of the gospel. We don't have to attain this. We also see that as he comes on the scene, the power of God heals. Verse 18 says, Who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured. So Jesus comes on the scene, and the kingdom of God comes to bear. People are getting healed. Demons are being cast out. Things are happening. Jesus heals. He healed then, he heals now. He heals all types of infirmities. And so we see that when, when Jesus comes, things happen. Healing happens. And we see that the power of God changes the entire environment. Verse 19 says, and the people all tried to touch him. It conveys this idea that as he's walking around the, uh, amongst the crowd, as, as healing is happening, as the, as the kingdom of God comes in the person of Christ, everything changes and people are trying to grasp onto him. Everyone's trying to grasp onto him. Because Jesus brings hope. And everything in the environment changes. Everything. The kingdom of God changes everything. 
Now, when I was in Special Forces, I was going through my initial training. Um, the, part of, the first part of my training was direct action training. Direct action is when you go into buildings and you clear it. Maybe you've seen it on TV or something, but, or maybe some of you have done it before, but you have like a room and you're right by the, by the door and, and you're supposed to clear the, clear the room. And you kind of just all just go in there at one time. And so I'm standing there and the guy behind me says, go. And I kind of like sneak in there. And the thing I'm sneaking in there is because the other guy on the other side of the door who's supposed to play the bad guy is shooting like paintball stuff at me and it hurts. But I'm kind of timid, I'm kind of fearful. And the instructor stops and he says, why are you timid and afraid? Stop being timid and afraid. Own the space, go in there, own the space. You have the power of an entire elite platoon behind you, own the space. So what's the frontline application? What's the blessing here that we can bring to people? The blessing is own the space. We own the space. We own the space because it belongs to Christ. He's redeeming it all. That was the whole point of the cross. No more separation between God and man, kingdom and heaven and earth. No more sacred and secular. He owns it all. And here's the thing. We own the space because God has sent, there, sent us to redeem it for him. You're on your front line because he's placed you there. He wants you to redeem it for him. Luke uh, 9, 1 through 6 says, When Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and cure disease, and he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God, to heal the sick. Verse 6 says, so, that they set out, so they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. If he sent you there, which he did, he's also equipped you. So do not be timid, do not be afraid, do not be fearful. I love that amen. Thank you. We have the resources of the kingdom of God. We have the resources of the kingdom of God. And he's placed us there. So don't be afraid. Don't be timid. Don't be fearful. And here's the thing. When you, when, when you go and you're about ready to go into a room, um, is there risk involved? Yes, there's risk involved. It, the, the, the door, when, right where you're getting ready to go in the door, that door part is called the fatal funnel. It's called the fatal funnel because everyone inside the, the room, the bad guys, are going to point their weapons at that door. And so the likelihood of you walking into something is pretty high. So, so here's the thing. There's risk involved. And you're going to be vulnerable. And you might get hit. But don't be timid. Don't be afraid. Because that's what you've been called to. So what does this look like? What does this look like on our front line? Well, what does Jesus do? He's healing people and he's preaching the word. So we heal and we preach. So what exactly does that mean? It means that that might look like where you're praying for people on your front line while you're there. We're praying to get, you're praying against the, 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 the enemy that wants to take and hold on to that, that area. At the end of the day, like, this is a spiritual battle. This is real stuff. This is happening just because you can't see it. And you pray against that. Healing might be that you go up to someone and you speak the truth to them because they need to hear it. Or you speak the words of Jesus to them at that moment. It might be that you get bold and you actually give them the good news of Christ. Again, is there a risk? Some are going to receive it. Some aren't. It might cost you. But that's what you've been called to. That's what you've been called to do. So that's the first thing. We also see that the kingdom of God advances through perseverance. So Jesus 
um, begins his teaching. So he heals and he begins to teach and, he, and he, he starts to talk about what blessings look like. And it's, it's totally different than what, what they were told and what we're told what blessings look like. And we see that we're called to persevere in times of wanting. Verse 20 says, looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus is merging two ideas here. Like he means actually poor, like not a lot of wealth, no wealth. But he's also talking about poor in spirit. That's where we get from Matthew. And it means Poor in spirit means I have a great awareness of my depravity and my need for a savior. It's this idea of like, I need, I know I'm not, I don't have it all together. I need a savior. And he says, blessed are those people. They have a deep sense of deep humility. We see that we're also called to persevere in times of waiting. Verse 21 said, blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. This idea of hungry, again, means people that actually are hungry, but also the people that hunger for righteousness. This was a, 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 a in a Jewish context, was uh, this idea of hungering was waiting for the Messiah to come because things were going to be made right. And so we see here that those that hunger for righteousness, for things to be made right. We know things aren't right. And we, need, we hunger. We hunger for God's judgment. We hunger for God to come back. We hunger for Christ to make things right. He says, blessed are you. That's blessing. We're called also to perse uh, persevere in times of persecution. Verse 22. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject you, reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. People say, you know what? You're evil because you believe that. You're evil because you believe in Jesus. He says, people are going to hate you. You're going to be insulted. And he says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. That is how their ancestors treated the prophets. So Jesus just starts blowing our mind. He's saying blessing is all these things and it's persecution. It's this idea like, it isn't a matter of, am I going to suffer for Christ? It's a matter of, when are you going to suffer for Christ? And how much are you going to suffer for Christ? That's just a normal experience, is what he's trying to say. He says they treated the ancestors, or the ancestors treated the prophets this way. And we're called blessed when this happens. And we're exhorted to rejoice. Rejoice in this. And it's like, rejoice? This is sometimes just beyond. Like, this makes no sense to me. But yet we're called blessed and called to rejoice. And, and some of us don't realize the, the, uh, the, the magnitude of what's happening. Like persecution to us is something that often just goes over our head because we're, we're sitting here in Andover, Massachusetts. But here's the thing, I, I, did, I pulled up a little data. 345 Christians were killed last month, and every month on average. 105 churches were burned or attacked. 219 Christians were detained without due process. There's a slide up here that kind of shows you how Christian persecution is on the rise. This is real, right? As we speak, I have a friend who is in Afghanistan. He's a Gordon Conwell um, student, but he's also a veteran. He's a little older than me. And, he, and when, he was, uh, uh, when he was serving in Afghanistan, he started a ministry there as an army soldier to reach out to kids of the Taliban. And he's going back there and he's talking to Taliban leaders as we're speaking, risking his life, knowing that he might be walking into his own death, but rejoicing in that. And see, these things are happening all over the world, and no one's saying a thing. No one's saying one word about this. Is that just a coincidence? No. We are up against a real enemy. A real enemy on this. 
We see that this is what happened to everyone in redemptive history. They said, your ancestors treated the prophets this way. So Jesus calls us blessed when these things happen. And again, this is a radically different message than what people are proclaiming in pulpits all over our country and all over the world. Blessing means something different. Oh, God doesn't want you. As a matter of fact, if you're poor or you're experiencing some sort of, of difficulty in your life and you need a breakthrough, just, just like pray about it because God doesn't want you to feel, feel that way. He doesn't want you to, to, to go through persecution or hard times. And he actually wants you to have money or he wants you to have this and he wants you to have that. And, he, and, and, and we, we're clear in Scripture that that's not always true for everyone. But you're blessed when you go through these things. So this is a radically different message. So what's this reward that Jesus is talking about? Here's the reward. It's the best reward ever, too. The reward is this. It's Christ. Christ is our reward. He's our reward. And the riches of being in Christ that are eternal, that don't rust. When I was... When I was going through my special forces training, there was this crusty master sergeant. His name was Tim Murphy. Tim Murphy was this Irish guy, and he was super crusty. And he'd come alongside me. He's one of those guys that would just be like, man up, Brian, you know, kind of thing. And he said, here's the thing. This is going to be the worst of times, and this is going to be some of the best of times that you're going to go through. But just remember, you're part of something bigger. So just walk the walk. Just walk the walk. So what, is, what, is, what does this mean for us as our, our frontline application, frontline blessing? Walk the walk. Just walk the walk. Embrace this calling. Live the life. Life in the kingdom is not prosperous as the world defines prospering. We walk the walk because Jesus walked the walk on this earth and embraced the persecution and the scorn of the cross so that we could have eternal life. The way of the cross, the way of Christ is to pick up our cross. To die to ourselves and walk in the footsteps of Christ. It's dying daily. Christ did not die so that we could have the American dream. He died so that we could have eternal life abundantly in the kingdom of God to glorify Him. And, we, and you say, well, how does this bless people on our front line? Well, when we do this faithfully, when we walk the walk amidst persecution, amidst waiting, amidst, uh, amidst wanting. We bless our front line because people don't get it. And they go, what is going on here? Why are you not wigging out? Why have you not given up on hope? What's going on here? And here's the thing. When people don't know something, they, they ask you questions because they want to know the secret formula. You're either taking drugs or you bought into something. What's going on here? Do you just drink too much before you come to work or before you watch your kid? What, like, what's going on here? They want to know what the secret formula is. And so here, here's what's crazy is all of a sudden these frontline evangelism moments happen. Because people come to you and they say, why are you not freaking out? Why do you have hope? And you get to tell them your story. And that's what this looks like. This is why you're blessing them. You can tell them story. You can tell them the, the, the gospel story according uh, on how God um, saved you, how Jesus Christ, what he means to you in your life. You get to say, listen, I know I'm not a perfect person. I know I'm a sinner. I know that I, I was totally lost. This is what happened in my life. And I was searching for something. And then all of a sudden I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I heard that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped down from heaven and lived a perfect and righteous life. 
And then I was offered, offered to put my faith in him. And I did. And when I did, I realized that God no longer sees me as this broken person that I know who I am. He sees me as the righteous son. And not only that, my sins, all that stuff that I did before is wiped away clean. And he loves me with an everlasting love. And that guilt that I have is, is gone. And here's the thing. People can talk away a lot of things, but they can't talk away guilt. They don't know what to do with guilt. Only Christ could bear that. And so you tell them that story and you say, and God now has me on this mission where he's redeeming all things and I get to be a part of that. And some people are going to go, that's crazy. And they're going to walk away from you and some people are going to go, that's crazy. I want to hear more about it. I want to talk about it. They might even just kind of ask you more questions throughout time. It's, it's more progressive. But nonetheless, that's what it looks like on your front line. You get these gospel evangelism moments by walking the walk. So that's the second thing. Finally, we see that the kingdom of God advances through passion. So here Jesus, he's talking about blessing. He's talking about what blessing looks like, and it's blowing our mind because it's like not the way that we've been talking about what blessing looks like. And then he switches up, and he talks about what cursing looks like, what, what judgment looks like. And he starts pronouncing judgment on certain people. He uses the term woe. It's, it's not the woe like you do with horses, like woe. Like it's like... It's like, whoa, like, this is judgment. This is the God of the universe pronouncing judgment on these things. So we want to pay attention. And we see that the things that Jesus pronounced judgment on are those things that have to do with his passion. He has certain passions. He has a certain kingdom ethic that we need to have a passion for and a kingdom ethic that we need to embrace and live out. We need to have the passion we need to have passion for the things that Jesus is passionate about. And so what is he passionate about? Well, we're called to have passion for justice and truth. Verse 24 says, But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. And we've talked about... Um, money and, and all that stuff. And we're, this isn't Jesus isn't condemning money or, or eating well. Those are gifts of God. It's more about the heart behind this. And we see that because the word laugh now, those of you that laugh now, conveys this idea that um, it, it speaks of a way of being very scornful. It's these people that are scornful that are all about their self-sufficiency. Like, I need nobody. I'm pretty much the best person that I know. And um, I'm going to go ahead and I can do all things by myself. I'm self-sufficient, um, it's prideful, and exceeds, it, it seeks to exploit others. It's this idea of like, I'm going to do anything I can to be number one, and I'm going to do it. And this has no place in the kingdom of God. And as people who are part of his kingdom, who have been called through Jesus Christ to be part of his kingdom, we're called to do something about it. We're called, we, we're called to care about justice. About the wrong. When things are done wrongly, we're called to say something about it and do something about it. Now, before some of you label me as a, a social justice warrior here, I want to I put a caveat here. Justice can never be detached for passion for the truth. So truth and justice work together. See, some people take all the justice, but they, they detach it from God's truth. And some people totally talk God's truth, but they do nothing about justice. And we're called to hold both of those in tension. This justice is rooted in God's truth, and God cares about his truth. That's why he gave us his word. That's why he sent his son. He cares about truth, and we need to care about truth, and we need to be passionate about truth. 
We see the truth is that the people whom Jesus called blessed, the world calls wretched. And the people whom Jesus pronounces judgment, the world would profess to admire. And this is the problem that I have with some of these prosperity gospel teachers. You know, Palm Sunday, I, I name names. I name names. And I'll be honest with you, some of you did not like that. You said that didn't seem like a Christian thing to do. Some of you had issues with the names that I called out. And I'm going to tell you, I make no apologies for this. Because at the end of the day, all right, God cares about this. Truth matters. We read in 2 Peter in, in, in regards to false teachers. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there were false teachers among you. They, were secretly, uh, they, will, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on them. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has, has not been sleeping. Verse 13, they will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to uh, carouse in broad daylight. There are blots and blemishes uh, re reviling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a curse and a curse brood. What is going on here? What is, what is the point here? The point is this. Truth matters. God cares about truth. And when it comes to false teachers, the reason God speaks really harshly about them, the reason why Jesus is pronouncing woes, the reason why Paul calls people out by name and Peter is talking about this is because false teachers lead, lead people um, and cause damage. And they need to be called out because truth matters. As a matter of fact, when we read this, this portion in Peter, to quite, put it quite bluntly, there's a special place in hell for false teachers. And you can't just let it go and say, well, you know, that's just kind of unloving. No, the loving thing to do is to say this is wrong. Truth matters because truth is attached to justice and truth and justice must be proclaimed. Now, when I was at Special Forces, um, you get a lot of like applause, ac you know, accolades, and, and you could really develop this like prideful air about you. You wear like cool sunglasses and you kind of walk around and I remember this, uh, another crusty master sergeant says, Brian, come here. I said, yeah. And, and he says, stop being a cool guy. You're starting to get into this cool guy syndrome. He said, stay focused. Remember why you're doing what you're doing and what you've been called to do. And so our frontline application, the way we bless our frontline is stay focused. Because we can easily lose focus. When we stay focused on Christ, we stay passionate about justice and truth. The result is everyone in our front line is blessed, whether they believe or not. You see, we don't just bless people that already believe in Jesus. We bless everyone that God has sent us to, the whole entire environment. So we stay focused. How, what does this look like? What do you mean? It means we uphold truth and justice on our front lines. When something is not right, we say something. We do something. We don't just kind of blend in and go, well, you know, it's really not my place. It absolutely is your place. That's why you're there. And it might cost you. God has placed you on your front lines so that everything could change. Everything. 
Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask your spirit, Holy Spirit, we ask you to go before us, protect us. We renounce the enemy who would want us not to redeem these things for your kingdom. We ask for strength. We ask that when we are fearful, when we're afraid, that you would give us strength, that we would rely on you and your wisdom. We pray so that we could be a blessing on our front line to advance your kingdom and redeem all things for Jesus Christ. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.